to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to podcast Freshly Forever. Today, I have the pleasure of having here with us Mitch Savoy-Hill. She is a certified coach, TEDx speaker, and professional member of the National Speakers Association. She is very passionate about teaching and mentoring, traveling extensively to deliver dynamic and engaging workshops and classes on subjects like time management, public speaking, networking for success, and other leadership-relevant topics. Mitch studied drama at New York University's renowned Tisch School of Arts, where she mastered the art of engaging an audience. Her love of the stage makes her a powerful, funny, and relatable speaker. It's my honor and privilege to have Mitch on the show, and I'm sure she's going to engage us all in a very, very phenomenal fashion. Welcome, Mitch, to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, we are privileged to have you, certainly, and uh, I think the audience they are just going to be immensely benefited by what you're going to have to say here. So you and I, we both are people of color. And today we are sitting down to talk about how we can create opportunity and learn to emerge triumphant out of adversity. And that I feel is applicable to any person, you know, be it person of color, be it you know, man, woman, student, whomever that may be. But as a person of color, what challenges do you think people of color face in everyday life and in the workplace? You know, that is a really deep question. And uh, there's no quick, easy answer. I -hmm. think that uh, it all stems from a, a history of colonization and separatism, feeling like if somebody looks different than me, they're they're separate from, they're strange even. So a fear emerges. Mm-hmm. And when people act out of fear, they shut down, they stop communicating, they stop actually digging deep to understand the other person. And It just sadly, traditionally and historically has happened more with people of color. My parents are Cuban exiles. My great grandmother was black. You know, I inherited her curly hair, her voluptuous hips, things that when I was a child were were not considered beautiful, not by the media, not by, um, you know, the radio or MTV. So I always struggled with feeling ugly and feeling even though I was American, born in America and and had the American culture, I still also had my Cuban culture and I still had the that color and being a woman of color, especially, I, I dealt with a lot of discrimination. I dealt with a lot of uh, ignorance mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't talk about it a lot unless people ask, but if they asked and they heard some of the stories, it would probably blow their minds. So uh, when I hear people say, I'm so tired about hearing about diversity, or I'm so tired about getting hit over the head with um, inclusion and diversity. I say, well, if you find a friend of color and ask them to tell you a couple of stories of things that they've been through, then you will start to understand. I think that we really start to embrace each other and understand each other. And that's what I covered in my TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. you can really dig deep and learn somebody's story, it's hard to judge them at that point. But many people do not do that. They judge you immediately and instantly by how you look. And unfortunately, if you're a person of color, it's more historically proven that you, you're you going to be facing a lot more judgment, discrimination, or just people not wanting to include you in the circle. Mm-hmm. And- don't understand that diversity and inclusion are two different things. You can have a diverse group, but that doesn't mean that you're being inclusive, which means really uh, somebody said one time um, inclusion is, you know, diversity is being asked to go to the dance and Mm -hmm. inclusion is being asked to dance. 
right? So including them in, in your stories and your jokes and your conversations, walking over and saying, hey, Mitch, how are you doing today? Or how was your weekend? And just really treating them just as a person. I think anybody of color or, you know, anybody, any human being just wants to be treated as a, as a person and as an individual. Um, we struggle with that. Being mm-hmm. people of color and women of color, we struggle with, with not always getting that treatment. It's sad. I'm really sorry you felt the way you did uh, growing up, though you were as American as anyone else was and is. But I have to say here, you are so beautiful, both inside and outside. And I think, you know, people have to recognize you for that. And certainly, I'm sure, you know, so many people are getting benefited from what you are offering these days. And I'm sure you have already crossed the bridge sort of, but definitely those things do exist and it's relevant that we are talking about it. But why this boxed in mentality and how important is it, Mitch, for society to recognize people for their skills and accomplishments rather than, you know, looking at things that are sort of mundane? Another another great question. And and by the way, thank you. Thank you so much for for. The comment on on beauty, I think it's it's awesome for especially us women to uplift other women and remind them that they are beautiful, that they don't have to be. Um, and this is going to answer the question of the box, right? Mm-hmm. It starts even the boxes start with our own mentality of we even fall into boxing ourselves. And I did when I was growing up. I, I thought my hair was too curly, my butt was too big, my hips were too too curvy, and so. Uh, we start to box ourselves in. We start to hold back from opportunities even because we think we're not good enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not skinny enough. We're not young enough. We're not old enough. And that belief in yourself actually is communicated in everything you do. People can tell when you're confident or when you're not confident. People can tell when you're holding back. And so it has to start with you, yourself, saying, recognizing your own beauty and the things that are beautiful about you. And those are the things that are unique, but it helps for us to uplift each other and remind each other, Hey, you are beautiful and you are valid and you are valuable. And as an executive coach, especially when I'm coaching executive women, they suffer a lot from this boxed in mentality, this imposter syndrome. And half the job is getting them to really recognize their abilities and their value and start to come from a place of confidence. And it's not always easy. (laughs) And you almost wish like we could be like children, right? You know, just only mindful of the sandbox, you know, the one that they are playing with and not, you know, any other parts. And why is it that we are not able to be like that? That's that's such a great point. Thank you. You you took that right out of my TEDx talk. And um, where I talk about if you watch children at play, Mm -hmm. the only box they're concerned with is the sandbox. Children at play, they are not looking at your skin color, your hair, your your accent. They are just looking for interaction and engagement. And you can tell by looking at children that the basic human need or one of the most basic human needs is that need to be seen and to be recognized Mm -hmm. for our accomplishments. When kids say, look, mom, look what I can do. Look what I can do. They want to be seen for what they can do for what they can accomplish. And so that's, I think how we start to get out of that box mentality is to recognize people for their accomplishments. And, and sometimes even, I know it's hard to say, uh, well, let's not say she's the, the, the greatest woman leader in the company. Can we just say she's the greatest leader? She's the top leader. Um, but sometimes, especially right now, when, again, we're talking about women and people of color not being recognized enough, it's it's important at this time in our society to say, yes, this is a person, you know, Cuban-American or she, she's a, a strong woman leader. Um, hopefully someday we won't have to add those explicatives. We'll just have to be able to, we'll just be able to say, uh, there's Mitch and she's a great coach mm-hmm. or a great speaker not a great woman speaker. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how does one uh, create their own identity and overcome some of these limiting beliefs? Um, Because we all want to succeed. I think there's no doubt about that. 
But how do we overcome these limiting beliefs? That's a process for sure. Uh, I know for myself, as somebody who was struggling between my my Cuban culture, my American culture, the the music that I listened to, uh, I think it helped me personally a lot to interact with different types of people. I would seek out people that were not like me mm-hmm. so that I could find out about their culture. So, so one, seek out people different than you. Mm-hmm. Actively seek out interactions with people different than you. Two, ask a lot of questions. Ask deep questions. Tell me about your culture. Tell me about your religion. Tell me about your uh, background. What kinds of food did you grow up eating, right? We learn a lot by understanding people's stories uh, and we'll understand our similarities as well. And then three, find your tribe. I always say, find your tribe. Find people who are like-minded, not necessarily that look like you, but that are Mm like-minded, that have morals or maybe they like the same music that you do. Or, you know, I was a theater kid, so I had a lot of theater friends Perhaps that informed my my wide open opinion about people because it you tend to see in the theater world more inclusivity. There we had you know people that were LGTB. We had people that were all different colors. We had popular kids and the not so popular kids. So I, I interacted with different people. So I say go out and seek different people and have conversations with people that are not like you that don't think like you. You know I ask people who don't have the same political views. Why do you think that way? And and how did you come about that idea? And what's important to you? And and I love to talk to people that are different or think differently so that I can understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when it comes to roadblocks, if we can identify some common roadblocks that people potentially face and say even women establishing their identity because we are still boxed into certain expectation zones or we have set some boundaries. What about roadblocks? What would you say as far as what you commonly see? Um, This is the subject of my upcoming book, Volar. Mm -hmm. Volar, turning roadblocks into runways. And Volar is the Spanish word for flight or the act of flying, to fly. And the concept is that you can fly beyond your adversity, your roadblocks, And the way to do that, I lay it out with, you know, my acronym, VOLAD, which is vision, opportunities, leaning on your resources, uh, actualizing a plan and recalibrating when necessary. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of recalibrating, especially in 2020. So um, everybody's everybody faces roadblocks. It could be internal roadblocks. It could be the death of a family member. It could be that the loss of a job or a worldwide pandemic. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. <laughs> Who knew this would happen? Who would have guessed? I mean, I, I stepped out in faith. I started my business in and really stepped away from a six-figure corporate world to focus on Sab Hill Consulting, my speaking and coaching business, in January mm-hmm. 2020. So who would have thought three months later the whole world would shut down? Talk about roadblocks, mm-hmm. right? So what I say, and again, the book will go much deeper into it, but here's a couple of tips on how to handle adversity. And one is that when adversity rears its ugly head, don't ask why, ask what instead. Mm -hmm. That's my catchy little rhyme. But it just means that when you hit a roadblock, don't say, oh, why me? Oh, why now? Oh, why God? Why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But instead say, what? What? can I learn from this? What open door does this closed door now afford me? Mm-hmm. What next? What next? And what next, you know, means you have to start with a vision. You go back to, to my, my formula, Volat. start with a vision, a clear vision that'll push you through. And then the other steps of the formula, of course, but it starts with a vision. I think if you have a strong vision for yourself, so if you're a woman and you feel like you're in a box, what is the vision that excites you outside of that box? Mm-hmm. And I'll have my coaching clients actually journal about it, actually write down because writing engages as a separate part of our heads, right? Write down what your vision for yourself is. Where do you see yourself? 
How would you like to feel? What would you like to have? And most importantly, when you get there, what would you like to contribute? Because as women, we're givers, right? So what would you like? Sometimes as women, we won't go for an opportunity if it's just for us. But if it means it's going to help our kids or it's going to help our our husband or it's going to help our wife or it's going to help, you know, somebody else, we'll go for the opportunity then. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you noticed that? Like you'll, you'll do something. You'll step out of your comfort zone if it means you're helping somebody else, but not so much for yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. All the time. You you put yourself last mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. We are, women, we are expert at that. Yes, we we have to be superwoman. Hold the world on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, if that's what helps you get a clear vision, then get a vision of what you would contribute. If you got that vision, if you attain that vision, and that'll help you push through the roadblock. Okay, and Mitch, with you being an expert in achieving this transformation. Uh, why don't we start with what hurdles you personally faced and both personally, professionally, whatever that might be, and how did you manage to see the positives out of any given situation? And you talked about vision, right? And you talked about Valar. So why don't we have you explain your mantra and uh, based I like on, that mantra. Yeah, based on whatever <laughs> you faced and how one can achieve, say, sort of this, at least like put a step towards this transformation. Well, that's a really big question. Oh, it certainly <laughs> is. It's just that, you know, you talk about well, Valar, and so awesome. I had to kind of bring that in and... Uh, you know, obviously, we all have hurdles, right? In all of yes. our uh, lives, it could be personal, it could be professional, whatever it uh, it is. But it's just how we perceive it, what we do with it matters the most. And I don't think it makes any sense for me to talk further on that. You are the expert. So let's have you talk. <laughs> no, no, what you have to say is very valid. And uh, don't minimize your story because I'm sure you have some some stories as well and some adversities that you've overcome. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're all a little, you know, I think even as women, we're all a little expert in uh, overcoming roadblocks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's a really, it's, it's a really big question. It's an important question. And, um, and in my book, I talk a lot about different examples of times when, myself or one of my clients maybe has overcome a hurdle using this formula. But, you know, just an example in, uh, you know, maybe a, about a decade ago, I was out in Los Angeles and I was, you know, working in uh, the restaurant industry during the day. And at night I was trying to be a, a rock star. Oh. I was trying to be a, a musician, singer, songwriter. Um, I had a CD on iTunes and, and Spotify. And How nice. Clubs, yeah, it was so much fun, and it was a, a a lifelong dream of mine. It was my vision to go to LA. I, you know, I went from New Jersey to LA, and with no money, nothing in the bank, I, I was just out there really hustling, trying to to make it in the music business. And I had even gotten a song on a on a hit TV show, Ugly Betty. Oh, congratulations! Uh, have you seen Ugly Betty? I'm dating myself. That was like, can you believe that was like ten years ago? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I really felt that I was moving forward and I had some really great things happening. But it dawned on me that although I will always love music, the music industry and the music business is not in line with my moral values, especially what's asked of women mm-hmm. often in the music business started to really uh, make me feel a little bit degraded. And uh, I, I realized that that was the vision for a long time. But once I got close to it, it suddenly, it didn't excite me anymore. It was really not, uh, it, it was just not my vision anymore. And that was, a, that's a scary moment mm-hmm. when you go for something or you're trying to go for success. Maybe you want to climb to the top of the ladder and you get to the top of the ladder in a company and suddenly you go, 
wow, I achieved, but now I'm not, I'm not really fulfilled. So you didn't feel like you were in the right place then? I wasn't in the right place. I wasn't in the right, uh, the vision had to change. Mm -hmm. And that's scary in itself. But just when that was occurring to me, I became suddenly homeless. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> and and suddenly, I mean, like when I left to work that morning, I had a place to live. When I got home, something happened and I had to move out of the place where I was staying with no notice, no money in the bank. I had a boatload of debt mm-hmm. because I had everything into this music vision. Right. And and nowhere to go. So what do you do? Well, you know, I went to the beach. I cleared my head and I thought about my formula, Volad, and I started with the vision and I shifted. And the vision suddenly became a career that was fulfilling, money in the bank, mm-hmm. financial freedom. That became the vision. Um, the opportunity was right there in front of my face. It had been for a long time. My general manager of my restaurant had been giving me all these extra responsibilities because he wanted me to be a manager. And I kept saying, no, that's not my thing. No, that's not my thing. So suddenly I was like, well, why not? I'm good at it. I have a passion for hospitality. Why not? And then the lean on the resources was the tough part. Again, as women, we don't like to ask for help sometimes, but especially somebody like me who who overcame childhood poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mother was on welfare for a long time. We we went hungry. We always heard no money. There's no money. There's no money. I had to ask for money. I had to ask a friend for a loan, and that was painful. But I came with a plan. I told her what my plan was. I had, you know, a very specific ask. This is how much I need. This is how long before I can pay you back. And she was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Again, women empowering women. She was so beautiful. She said, here's the money. And in addition, here's here's my belief in you. You're going to be a great manager. I'm not worried about you paying me back. Just you're going to be awesome. Right. And and that meant so much to me. And so within within a couple of months, I had paid her back. I was a, a general man, you know, uh, sorry, a manager of a really popular restaurant in Beverly Hills, and it was a training store. Mm-hmm. So that means I was training young managers, new managers, and that became my passion. I realized I was good at it. I loved it. I got so much out of watching these future leaders actually become leaders and then get promoted. And I was like, oh my God, this is this is it. This is what fuels me now. It's empowering leaders, is making um sure that these leaders are going to go on and be successful. And, you know, eventually that led me to where I am right now. You know, so that was me actualizing a plan. And that was also the R in Volad, recalibrate when necessary. I had to recalibrate, you know, I went to do one thing and I had to switch to another, but I just, I just kept going. What's next? What am I to learn? What, what do I do next? You know, and, and that's, now what I help other people do, walk through that walk. <laughs> oh, I think you're doing it in a very, very wonderful fashion. So the volunteer, again, the vision, you talked a lot about it. Yes. The o is for the opportunity. And correct me if I'm missing something here. The L is, I believe you said you're leaning on resources, right? Yes. And the A is actualizing the plan. And R, is it uh, recalibrate, you said? Yeah. Okay. So as far as the opportunity, does it always knock? Or let me put it this way, can it go unnoticed? And how do we rise up to the occasion? What a smart question. I love that question um, because there's a whole, I think, one or two chapters in my book about that because opportunity, sometimes it knocks. Sometimes it knocks you in your face. Sometimes you have to go seek it out. Uh-huh. And again, especially with the with being um, somebody who coaches a lot of women and executive women, sometimes we're a little bit shy to say to raise our hands and say yes, please, or to say um, yes, I'm going to step into this opportunity, even though it scares me. Mm-hmm. So. When it comes to your door and you don't feel good enough, you don't feel ready enough, you don't feel like you have what it takes, I I encourage my clients to jump in anyway, because let's face it, failure is not the biggest problem. Failure is not the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. The what if, what if, what if I would have, what if I could have, what if I should have, the what if is the worst thing. Mm-hmm. So, so what if you fail? 
be willing to fail and fail hard because like I did, I went out, I gave my music everything. And it's not that I failed, but I realized this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Some people see that as a failure. For me, it was like I went all out and then I was for sure in my heart that that wasn't for me. That wasn't the path for me. So that's one way. Sometimes the opportunities, we have to go seek them out. We have to um, be aware be, be very open. Know what, again, it all goes back to vision. What is your vision? And then look at the opportunities that lead to that vision or that coincide with that vision. And just like I said, don't be afraid to raise your hand and say, okay, yes, please. I will take that opportunity. <laughs> and right there, when you said ask for help, of course, it doesn't pertain to women alone. It's for anyone, right? And so yes. the resources... Um, So it could be anything like, um, say, even this podcast, you know, when people listen to you right there, you know, that's like tips that they are getting out of digital media. And in a virtual world that we are living in, say the webinars, and then what about mentors? I really heard you say, I think you leaned on someone, your restaurant manager seemed to have really guided you and showed you the way. So why don't we talk about how significant that could be in someone, okay, be it a man, woman, student, whomever that may be. Yeah, yeah. Even being able to realize that, okay, this is my opportunity or this is what I can go after. Yes. I love this question because it hits on two of my biggest passions. And one of them is uh, mentoring young people, Mm-hmm. Um, one of my endeavors is to uh, mentor foster children that are aging out of the foster care system oh, how- because they have no parents. They grow up sometimes in group homes, sometimes, you know, switching. And th- there's nobody there to guide them, to mentor them. Mm-hmm. So I love to mentor young people that are about to hit adulthood, about to go out there and, and do their thing. Right. Um, but you mentioned mentors in the in the work world. And that's, you know, one of the biggest resources. When I say to to people, lean on your resources, the first thing they think is money. Well, I don't have any money. I'm like, well, money is just one of many resources, Mm -hmm. right? There's your contacts, your your skills, the things that you've learned along the way. Those are all resources. But as far as mentors, I think that's one of the biggest sources of uh, success, And people don't lean on them enough. So, you know, when I first became a director of uh, business development in the construction industry in Florida, I was I was still learning my way around. I knew sales, I knew business development, but I didn't know a lot about construction. So I found people in the construction world um, through National Association of Women in Construction, a lot of really high powered women that were in the construction industry for years. And I leaned on them. I said, can I take you out for a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and drink? Can I, can I buy you lunch and, and ask you some questions, right? It's the easiest thing just to say, may I, may I ask you some questions? May I, um, when you ask somebody, can you be my mentor? Sometimes that, that feels like a heavy question. I would say more like, can I take you out for coffee and ask you some questions, um, you know, mentoring type questions. But I've had many, many mentors throughout my career and throughout my life. And they've been helpful because I've been willing to say, can we talk? Can I ask you some questions? And I've been willing to learn from them. I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. If I can learn from somebody, you know, people say you don't learn from other people's mistakes. Bull. I think you do learn from other people's mistakes. Oh, we I always totally do. We always do. I mean, from our own mistakes and from what in front of our eyes, right? And, and I think yep. you clearly pointed out earlier, it's almost like, you know, when it comes to opportunity, clearly your case is an example of Okay, when one door shuts, another opens, right? So it's just a matter of us trying to identify what those avenues are. And the mentors, as I hear you say, they are like great avenues for, I mean, like make it as normal as, hey, I want to have a chit chat, like a conversation, just like you and I are having here on this podcast. Sure. Just ask some questions. And even, you know, Mm -hmm. as we are talking, As much as you are educating the listeners, I'm learning from you here. Back in a moment with our guest, 
on Freshly Forever. So how important is it for someone to trust this resource match and and how how does that happen well um you have to i believe try many different things and see what works for you you might have one mentor tell you to do something one way and that's mm-hmm. their way of doing it and you try it and it doesn't really work for you but you know it was a good it was a good trial right um and and there's many different ways to to lean on that type of resource you can you know you can hire a coach when my when my business uh saw the pandemic hit i the first thing i did was hire a coach and a lot of people said are you sure do you want to spend that money is that the right place to put your money right now when your business is you know you're not even making money but mm-hmm. i'm a coach so of course i believe in coaching and it was the best thing i did my coach really helped me um in a year when other businesses were shutting down i grew my business so a, a, a formal relationship like a coach can be fantastic um or just a more informal relationship with a mentor and sometimes it takes you finding an organization if you're for example in construction maybe you join the National Association of Women in Construction and then you become active and then you meet the other women and you learn from watching them or from doing uh, networking events mm-hmm. uh, so many every for every business there's some sort of a professional organization. So I'm very big on joining organizations and becoming very active in them. You know, join a committee, serve. If if you serve the organization, the organization will serve you. So I coach my business developers to be very active in their professional organizations and my entrepreneurs. I'm a speaker, so I'm part of the National Speakers Association. I've learned so much from other speakers from mm-hmm. listening to their talks or just watching them or, or following them on Facebook and LinkedIn and see what how do they do what they do right so there's different ways to to lean on a mentorship and sometimes it doesn't have to be that formal of a men- like you're my mentor we're going to meet once or twice a, a month for coffee like sometimes it's just shooting them an email and saying hey I'm running into this what do you advise mm-hmm. they may answer they may not you know sometimes just following them on LinkedIn i use LinkedIn a lot and i learn a lot from interacting and commenting and joining conversations on linkedin um the resources really are unlimited i i had one person say what if i don't have resources i, I don't feel like i have any resources and i <laughs> said mm, dig deeper they're there oh, yeah. they are oh, there yes. you know but sometimes I, i'll tell you as a coach the two areas i probably spend the most time in you would think it's the planning part like creating the plan and actualizing the plan it's not it's clarifying the vision and then getting them to actually see the resources that they have so that they can lean on them we spend a lot of time on that so it's like you're saying you know one can be or we all can be stronger together right yes so how is it that um you know we make this relationship say between mentor and mentees work or like organizations is there like any other recipe that you have so to speak you know for all of us to be like stronger together um i mean the recipe is just it's very simple it's it's like going out and planting a garden the care that you put into that garden is what's going to yield the result mm-hmm. the, the lush plants and the flowers growing so with any mentorship relationship or just with you trying to um lean on other people to help you whether it's men women uh it it boils down to you being willing first to serve you saying how can i help you what can i do for you how can i serve you uh mm-hmm. not always being on the taking side and for for somebody who's who says well i don't want to bother that person by asking them to be a mentor I invite you to think about you being in the position where somebody asks you to mentor them. You would probably love to do it. So if you think about it, oh, I'll pay it forward later. I I will mentor somebody when it's my time. Then maybe it'll make you feel a little bit better about reaching out to ask for some mentorship. As long as you know in your mind, hey, this person will help me and then I'm going to pay it forward later. Does that make sense? Oh, well said. Actually, I was going to say even your own example from this conversation itself. like your manager at that restaurant helped you grow and then transition somewhere else um 
by pointing you out to some leadership opportunities. And then you said you started developing people there and they yeah. all felt so good when they realized, okay, this is what I can achieve being my own, you know, being a leader in my own, whatever segment or whatever area that they have been assigned with. Right. So yeah. uh, that's just, you know, uh, very important, I feel. And uh, that's interesting. As far as the actualizing a plan, Mitch, how important is it for someone to be strategic and purposeful? Oh, it's key. You can have all the vision and all the opportunities and all the resources in the world that if you can't execute a plan, you still might not get there, right? Um, so there's a lot of coaching and there's a lot of you know speakers who speak about goals and then their smart goals and then their how to make a goal and and it can become really complicated sometimes. Uh-huh. I don't know. My mind works really well on simplicity. And I feel like the more complicated things get, the, the harder it is to execute anything. So I coach my clients in the direction of what I call the KISS rule. Well, I didn't come up with it. That's an old rule, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Uh-huh. Like, keep it simple, stupid. So we focus on, first off, what is the main thing? What is the main, most important thing that is going to get you to the next step? And then maybe come up with three things, three things in three months, for example. Well, what are the three things in three months that you're going to accomplish that are going to get you to that next step? Well, now if you're focusing on one, two, three things and you're strategizing around that, it becomes a lot less overwhelming. So maybe for a salesperson, um, I will say, you know, well, make sure that you make um, three calls every day, three sales calls every day. And as long as you just be consistent, right? And so that's easy. Okay, I'm just going to make three calls every day. That's one easy thing to focus on, right? Or if you're trying to lose weight, then it's, well, log your calories and get some exercise, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. 30 minutes every day, instead of being overwhelmed by, should I do paleo? Should I do, you know, keto? Should I look, just log what you're eating and get out there moving every day. Oh, that's easy, right? (laughs) Yeah, don't overthink it, but just keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> so and then, and then do it. So somebody asked the other day when I did a talk like this, what do you mean by actualize? What do you mean by execute? And I said, well, what it what it says, say what you're gonna do and then do what you say you're gonna do. That's oh, it. Oh, fantastic. You know, that's so so important. Again, that's very simple, you know, to hear or listen to, but there's a lot involved, you know, like, yeah, say what you do and do what you say. And yeah, that's that's definitely something useful. What about the recalibrate part? You talked about that earlier in your volar, the, the last of letter in the acronym. And we recalibrate if and when a situation demands, right? So how do we recalibrate and how do we embrace that shift if and when that has to happen, like say, how can one be adaptable and be accepting to the change? Very smart question. And you said something very smart within that, which is adaptability Mm -hmm. and being open to change. So adaptability and openness. Adaptability, we saw a great example when COVID shut down the world. And I saw a lot of colleagues of mine that just would not adapt. Well, I don't like virtual. Well, I don't do it that way. Well, I've never worked with that. And they dug their heels in the sand and then they were crying about not making sales three months later when the people who adapted and went virtual and learned Zoom, even though it was their first time. Hey, I was one of those people learning Mm -hmm. Zoom. Now I'm teaching classes on how to do Zoom, right? (laughs) The more adaptable you are, the more you're going to flow with the changes. Life is always throwing us changes. But it's that's a big example. Little example is I'll have my coaching clients do almost a recalibration exercise every week. At the end of the week, look over the week and figure out what worked and what didn't. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you got to try different things. Sometimes you make a plan and in the middle of the plan, you realize it's not really working. That's okay. That's when you recalibrate. That's when you go, what didn't work about that? What do I need to change? And then act on that the next week or the next quarter. 
But it's always being willing and being open and being very aware, but you've got to be able to look at what's working, what's not working, what's working, what's not working. If it's not working, change it. <laughs> so again, being right? smart about and being quick in reacting to whatever is necessary and yes. ask what instead of why in those crunch situations, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, the why me is like, Uh, probably the most devastating question that one can ask themselves and that's going to dig anyone deeper into a quagmire right it makes you a victim mm-hmm. the why me makes you a victim and hey i'm not saying that there are no victims out there there's definitely victims and there's people who love to victimize others so the problem is not that when you become a victim the problem is when you name yourself that it's the self talk is why me i'm a victim now when you say i am a victim what you're saying it, it, essentially you know you can say i'm a victim and i'm going to help other victims i'm going to overcome this and i'm going to help other victims and then you've turned your adversity into your advantage but if you just say i'm a victim and then you just stay again dug in the sand and don't do anything about it then that's where you are that's where you leave yourself but if instead you say yes i've been victimized what am i going to do about it even if you got to get mad about it get mad about it get active what mm-hmm. am i going to do about it and what am i going to do so that in the future others i can prevent others from being victimized in the same way so i was you know discriminated against from an early age in in the work field well now i work to empower others so that they don't fall into that same victimization. So it's not about why me, it's about okay, it happened, now what? What's next? What do I mm-hmm. do with this? So it's almost like okay, feel the vulnerability, face the vulnerability, but then do something which can just take you forward. And how does confidence play into all of this and what would you say is the most critical aspect in all of volar that we talked about. Uh so confidence sometimes comes with doing the steps. Mhm. Sometimes I'll have a client that comes to me because they want more confidence and they say I I I want more confidence and you know nobody can just wave a magic wand and say boom here you go you've got confidence now. <laughs> confidence comes with watching yourself produce recognizing that you're producing well mm-hmm. that you're contributing and then continuing to do it continuing to hold a position of power so for example you know i had one client who wasn't confident and although everybody in the company leaned on her constantly leaned on her because she was the most Uh, it had the most ability in the company she still always felt overwhelmed and so therefore she always felt like she wasn't confident and so other people were seeing that she was good at what she did she just wasn't seeing it mm-hmm. so for her you know i worked with with mindset for her we worked on her mindset on her negative self talk i worked on you know getting her to see her accomplishments to recognize them and eventually to work off of that so that you know by the end of a year working together she was she was like i got it i want confidence i have confidence now but it it really is about again that that the steps of going back to that vision being fearless and taking opportunities you know leaning on every single resource you can really sticking with a plan and then changing recalibrating when you need to recalibrate mhm so just bring it all together it's a package deal right a package deal <laughs> it's a recipe you know you throw it all in the pot you stir it up <laughs> but stir it right <laughs> don't let it bubble over don't let it bu- and you know sometimes sometimes in a, as a coach and and in my personal life sometimes one area needs more focus than the other sometimes you know it, it's you feel like you're lacking in opportunities and sometimes it's you feel like you're lacking in resources and again sometimes it's just time to recalibrate and figuring out how to do that uh, but they all they all work together eventually mm-hmm. so identifying seems to be the most critical part and you know as long as you know just one can be cognizant of 
okay, what I need to do further. So again, everything goes back to the vision, right? So just start. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's funny? Now that you say that, you actually spark another another idea in my head, going back to your original question when we first started about um, being somebody of color, you know, how to, how to really, I think, enhance and, and, and push diversity and push the, the feeling of we're not in a box. We're all, we're all working together. And again, it goes back to even Volad works in that, you know, we have this vision of diversity what does that look like and what does that mean? And I think right now there's a lot of really great conversations being had within corporations about what is diversity? Let's clarify the vision mm-hmm. because if we don't clarify the vision, then we can't seek out the opportunities and lean on the resources and, and do all the other stuff. Right. Um, but it's also what you said about awareness. You, you identify if you bring awareness, if you know that maybe you have a prejudice, we all have some prejudice, mm-hmm. but we all, we may not admit to it. We all have some prejudice. So if you know that you have one, what I like to do is catch myself. When I'm, when I'm making a snap decision, I catch myself and I identify, ah, uh, you're judging. Uh-huh. You're doing it. And that's the beginning. That's the beginning. If you can identify it, then you can, then you can dig deeper. Why? Well, why did I make that judgment? Why did I assume that? Well, maybe that person has a whole story that I don't know. Maybe I should dig deeper. And just that internal conversation already makes me a little bit more accepting. Certainly. And as a constant uh, person, you know, like as a constant or rather a regular with uh, respect to executive coaching and, um, you know, anything, mentoring, whatever that might be, from a takeaway standpoint, what is it that you have commonly observed with people and what would you like to tell listeners, Mitch? When an opportunity comes to your door, raise your hand and say, si, por favor. That means yes, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Don't be afraid to jump or be afraid, be very afraid, but jump anyway. We're not going to make changes. We're not going to progress. You're not going to hit your vision. We're not going to be happy people until we're all fearless in the the chase, in the in the ability to say, I'm going to walk this path towards my own happiness. Because if you can't be happy, you're not going to make anybody else happy. You're going to be miserable walking around making everybody else miserable. And what is it that you would say uh, listeners can look forward to in your book? And is there any message for youth that you would like to share here? As far as turning roadblocks into uh, opportunity or transforming this adversity into, say, something triumphant. Yes, yes, actually. So my book, um, again, it's going to be called Volar, Turning Roadblocks into Runways is going to have a lot of examples. I think that we all learn by stories. Mm -hmm. Traditionally and historically, we learn best by stories. So it's going to be a lot of stories and a lot of examples. It's also going to have exercises. I'm I'm actually sharing some of my coaching exercises in the book to help people implement each step of Volar. But especially for young people, and it it would really be uh, one of my greatest goals is that uh, I use this book for a lot of groups that I want to speak to of young people uh-huh. so that they can they can be fearless in going out and they can have some direction. I, I didn't have that. I was on my own since I was 17, living in New York City. I had a lot of really crazy stories. Some of them I'm going to share in the book. And, and some crazy things happened to me along the way. And I didn't even know that I was using Volat at the time that I was using it. I was doing these steps all along naturally. Mm-hmm. So if young people can pick up my book and read it and go like, yes, I can be fill in the blank, whatever they want to be and feel like that the world is, is, you know, there is no unattainable goal. If it really is your goal, if it's really meant to be, if it's your, you know, um, you know, the, the Bhagavad Gita says your Dharma, do your Dharma, do it full out and then leave the fruits up to God. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I want them to get out of it. That just do what makes you happy. You can do what makes you happy. You can make a living out of it. You just have to figure out some steps along the way. Okay, fantastic. Uh, That was a great conversation. And how can uh, people get a hold of you, reach you, Mitch? You want to share your website or your Instagram handle or any such? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and please, I'm one of those people that loves to ask uh, to get mentorship questions. So I love for people to reach out to me. Uh, and, and if I can help you, I am always willing to help. I'm happy to help. Um, my website is uh, savhillconsulting.com or you can hit mitchsavoihill.com. It'll take you to some different parts of the website. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post a lot of articles and a lot of helpful tips and videos. So you can find um, also Mitch Savoy uh, YouTube. Follow me on YouTube for some some fun, short little videos that I throw out there. And that's also um, YouTube uh, slash Mitch Savoy Hill. And Savoy is S-A-V-O-I-E. So Mitch Savoy Hill. Um, Facebook. I mean, I'm all over the place. So you you can just reach out to me. Just reach out to me. I'm I'm really happy to help. I am here. This is what I'm here, I believe, to do is is to help. Help you help others. Oh, that's wonderful. And when is the book expected to uh, hit the market? That's a great question for my editor. I hope she's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm hoping for summertime of this year, um, but it, it may be summertime or it may be more like fall of this year. Thank but I, I will be keeping everybody uh, updated on those websites and those, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram. So follow me and and keep uh, keep your ear to the ground on that. Oh, certainly will do and can't wait for that. And so that was such a wonderful conversation and insights, Mitch, on how to create opportunity and learn to emerge triumphant out of adversity. I'm sure every uh, student, man, woman, and whomever that was listening certainly found this conversation to be very, very enlightening. And I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, just, I just think based on whatever you said and whatever uh, I have learned out of this 45 minutes or more makes me uh, think of something that I read in recent times, and that was a Swedish proverb that said, those who wish to sing always find a song. So I guess... Oh, I love that. I guess everyone... And I think it resonates with your music career as well. And so I think everyone (laughs) can find their song and sing their song too and uh, make it triumphant out of whatever they are doing and in whatever they are doing. So we will check back with you again when the book comes out. And thank you so much one more time on behalf of all the listeners. And uh, this was certainly another fresh leaf. And we always try to keep it fresh leaf forever in this journey and on this podcast. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. Before I sign off, folks, let me remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google, and follow the podcast on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever, that's one word, and on Twitter at Fresh Leaf Forever One. Make sure to send me your feedback and keep enjoying the podcast. I will see you back again next week with yet another guest and yet another interesting topic. Until then, it's why saying so long. <music>